You are listening to the Amen Corner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the Amen Corner, please follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and all your other favorite social media. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 38 of the Amen Corner. I'm Brad Rothschild. And I'm Stephen Cook. And I don't know what day it is. <laughs> Here we are. And I still don't know what day it is. And it doesn't even You know what's weird? You know what's weird? You know what's I, weird? I'm, I'm, Everything. What? what? <laughs> Everything's weird. But I, it's like, I, we, I still feel like it should be mid-March. Well, because like, it I is. Feel like That's when time stopped. <laughs> I know. I woke time. up this morning. I'm like, it's May 16th. Like, like how? 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 Where, like, we're, get, we're obviously, chronologically, we're getting older. Like, we're aging. So, right. like, that's not going <laughs> to stop. But everything else has stopped. So I, I, I look in the mirror. I keep marveling at the fact that. I, I look in the mirror yeah. and I'm like, oh, there's some more gray hairs there. Uh, wow. And it's just like time marches on, but it really doesn't because we're just like stuck. Like we're not going to get this year of our life back or however long. We're not getting it back. No. It's not like you get a do-over. Nope. Nope. Yeah. nope. I keep marveling at the fact that I filled my car with gas on March 10th. And you still have half a tank. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And even, you know, I wasn't driving that much anyway because starting last September, I went back to taking the metro every day. But even so, like every two and a half, three weeks, I'd have to throw between driving the kids around on the weekend and going back and forth to the station, whatever. I'd have to put gas in the car. (laughs) You know, it's too bad because gas prices are really low now. I know. I know. You should top it off. Because I've I've gone past gas stations and I'm like, oh. You should top it off. I know. But this is this is this is a weird thing. This is this is something that I, I wanted to I wanted to talk about because there's a I sent you an article earlier about like how to live in the pandemic, how to live how like trans pandemic living, and like you need like a strategy. You know you can't. And I think I, it's I think it's getting to the point where I need to think about like re engaging with the world. Like I can be. I can be home in this house, work, play to the extent that I play. I can go out, exercise in the neighborhood and never really go anywhere. And, you know, we've done socializing. We've gone to see friends and sit in their backyard and so on and so forth. But I don't really feel like I've engaged in, uh, engaged in the world. And it's starting, it is, it's, it's starting to wear on me. Well, you got to. It's you, starting you, to. I mean, I hear you, but you got to cop to the fact that you're privileged to be in that position. I mean, to say that you don't. Oh, without you don't a doubt. Need to engage with the world, and everything in your life is pretty much still intact. I mean, you have a job, you have a healthy yeah, family. Yeah. Oh, like, don't don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, don't get me wrong. I'm just like saying. anytime I anytime I complain about something, or I want actually I haven't done the complaining. Every time I think about it, I say, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Laura and I are both employed still. We have health insurance yeah. and so on and so forth. But I'm just thinking in terms of like the mental health aspect oh, no doubt. of trying to re-engage in the world. And it's, to be honest with you, it's very stressful. Yeah. Like I've been privileged enough to be able to lock myself away essentially in the house with the exception of going out occasionally, with the exception of going for my early morning runs, um, exception for my late day 
uh, walk around the block. And, um, you know, even when we've like picked up food, Lauren, who's been out in the world more for obvious reasons, because she's still going to her office every other week. She's the one who like goes in and, and like grabs the food. Um, she's the one who's been to Target so or you're whatever. Her risks just because she goes out all the time. Well, no. I er, early on we decided that since she had to go and I had and I did not have to go, that we wouldn't risk the exposure of both of us. Yeah, but I mean, I I understand in theory why you would say that, but I'm not sure that it makes sense because you send she goes to work. She's in with one mm-hmm. group of people. She goes to Target. That's a completely separate group of people. I, it so just it at, at, whether really, it makes sense or not at the at the at the beginning of this I, when no I one knew you, anything might, it seemed like the right yeah, thing to you, do and then that just you may need, just you happened. May need to rethink that because well, because so, honestly it's about spreading the risk it's not about concentrating the risk in one person mm-hmm. it's, you know you mitigate it by spreading it so my my point but my overall point is is not is not that it's that it, it's like really getting to the point where I need to do some of those things. You do. And like, I know that's not, your, that's get not out the, the point world. you set out to make, but I'm just pointing out to you that... Well, no, the point that I set out to make was that it is... Uh, there has to be some moment where people figure out how to live in a trans-pandemic world. Well... And I haven't... I and and that it's stressful to me that I've been in. Yeah. And because it does as I do feel like I'm living in a relatively small space. Not not space, not in terms of square footage, like mental space. And then um it's reality has to set in that, you know, there's no vaccine that's forthcoming, no matter operation warp speed or whatever. Even the, even the more sober optimists are, I think, um, I, I, I think are, are, are too sunny about the idea of a vaccine coming 18 months down the road but or nobody, something like that. Nobody, so, nobody thinks it's going to come this year anymore. I mean, that's not happening. No, 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 of course not, except for the president said it, right, but, right. Uh, but no, Fauci, Fauci has said like 18 yeah. months, others have said 18 months. Right. I think that that's too well, sunny. So my way, point is, is yeah, that we're not gonna, we can't stay cooped up forever. Right, right. So how does Stephen, how does Stephen exist in this world after being two months basically in a, a more, a, a much smaller world? And to be honest with you, it's stressful. I went, I, because I have maintained my, um, my working out and I, this was going to happen regardless of whether we had this plague or not. Um, I needed new orthotics for my running sneakers. And, um, so, and you like the longer you run on orthotics that are just dead, like, you know, you're going to have knee and ankle problems and so on and so forth. So the physical therapist said, I'll see you. And so, you know, and she said, this is what I'll do and so on and so forth. And to be, and Lauren and I went, Lauren also needed orthotics, but I think Lauren was really there more for like, you know, kind of bucking me up. And, um, it was, uh, you know, I, I, this is a physical therapist we've known for a long time. Lauren and I were the only two in the office. Everything was wiped down. Everybody was wearing masks, wearing gloves, so on and so forth. Um, but it was it was a stressful kind of. I almost canceled at the last minute and said, "I'm not doing this." 
I'm not doing this. But I think, you know, you have to, at some point, figure it out. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously you have to figure it out because, you know, to get, again, maybe because you haven't really left your house in a while, you got stressed about that. But I mean, if you, if you turn that sort of around and you start to think about like, okay, so this is your physical therapist inviting you to come into her, her, correct? Yeah. Empty office. How does your physical therapist maintain that business model? Like that they can only allow one or two people in at a time. I look, I get it. Like she's trying to, you know, accommodate her patients and, you know, to acknowledge that she's worried about that as well. Acknowledge that people have different levels of stress, but man, a lot of these places can't sustain business like that. And, and that's, you know, obviously neither one of us have any, any sympathy for these maniacs who are marching around with guns and without masks and nope. saying that this is a hoax because obviously it's no hoax. But there is, <laughs> of course not. but there is a real concern that people have about their economic sustainability, and that's real. You know, there are. I was reading an article this morning about this barber in upstate New York. I don't know if you saw this who basically yeah. was operating, who was cutting people's hair without a license, illegally. Because... Oh, really? You know, he got around it because they said, you can't open your store, but he said, I did it out of my house, but he lived right. he lived above the store. So, right. Or above the barbershop. So, right. you know, in his, and he himself got sick. So he oh, got really? sick, and he came out of the hospital, and he says, I'm still going to do this. So he can't, on, the, yeah. on the face of it, you think this guy's a maniac and he should be locked right, up. Right. And then you think, well, there's some, ser- you know, he's talking about serious economic hardship. Right. Like facing. I think about. And, and, and to me, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. To me, the problem is, and look, this goes hand in glove with what you and I always talk about, which is the government is not going to step in to ensure that that guy doesn't go down. So, since we don't have a safety net, then we are encouraging the worst behavior of people, which will only prolong the pandemic. That's exactly right. Is that we have no social safety net. We are leaderless in this country. So, like, if if the CDC actually has a plan that will allow people that have good, solid, science-based recommendations for how people to... Can, right, to, can to venture, function to venture trans-pandemic. In, right, to venture back into the world. And it gets shelved because it's it's not good for the president's re-election effort. Well, that's all it boils then down to. You're, you are extending the pandemic. And so like we were at the physical therapist, and she was concerned. She was very thankful that we were there. Yeah. But, you know, you look at the studio. There's four tables. Right. And, you know, previously you go on like a Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock. Yeah. And she's got patience on every single right. one of them. So how does that? Right? How does that? How do you do that? that? Work going forward. And, and this is you right. know the articles you were sending me. I didn't get a chance to read um, through everything, but mm-hmm. there was one uh, from the Atlantic, I think, and it talked about. And it's right. Like this isn't. That was the one I This said. isn't a binary solution. It's not like right. we're gonna get. We should all be shuttered into our apartments and ha- and homes, or everything needs to open up all at once. Like. But that's well, unfortunately because most people don't, you know, nuance doesn't fit on a bumper sticker. So most people's brains can't, you know, most people can't get their head around this or some people because, you know, the, the polling shows that most people support 
the stay-at-home measures. But right. there's a right. large and very loud minority of people who, for them, it's either all or nothing. Well, and they seem to be winning in important places. Well, the important place that they're winning in is in the media ecosystem that they have created that amplifies right. their voices and makes them seem like they are a lot stronger and, well, and but larger it, than they you know, are. In, in in Wisconsin, yeah. they won. They won. Except that localities then clamped down. But it, it, that article that I sent you from the Atlantic, the reason one of the reasons why I sent it to you is because I saw it today. But Lauren and I were having this conversation about how do you live? How does how does how do you live in this situation of? I mean, just going back to what we were saying it was like the middle of March. We began this period of suspended animation yeah. and that suspended animation cannot go on for 18 no, months. it can't. And I mean, again, for us, like, again, we talk about, you know... I mean, I, I could stay in this yeah, okay, house for 18 right. months. We talk about the privilege, but man, our kids can't live like this much longer. No. And for them, nah. it's really hard. It's much harder for them and much more significant for them than it is for us. Yeah. So... I don't know. It's it's. I, and there's going to be a I lot support. of dipping toes in the water and a lot of testing yep. and one step forward and two. Well, that's steps what I keep. Back. That's what I kept talking about yesterday. Is like that was that was my toe in the water of this. But again, the politicization of it and the leaderlessness of the country on this. You you could have had a moment and said, "Hey, everybody wants to get back to work. One of the yeah. ways we can get back to work faster is if people wear masks." Right. Uh, we realized that initially the recommendation wasn't that, but new information has come in. And yeah. certainly while you're outside and you're with your family and you're in wide open spaces, you don't need to wear a mask. But you certainly should wear a mask when you're interacting with people in stores and so on and so forth. It would really be the best thing. And that's how we get back to bed. Get back to bed. That's how we get back to work faster. Yeah. That's what like normal leaders would say. Well, I mean – and we don't, we, don't we are, it's, I, I guess, I think it was Roger Cohn, who I don't often read, but I read him oh. today. He, he, he talked yeah. about how we live in a leaderless country. You know, I think it's, it I, is leaderless. I think it's worse than that. I don't, I think it's worse than being leaderless because the president of the United States is essentially functioning as his own opposition. <laughs> as his, the opposition to the administration's policies. Like, he is trying well, to. Well, the administration have doesn't have a policy. Let's, right. let's, no, they, let's be clear. The administration actually doesn't have okay, a policy. That's true, but at some point in March. The health professionals and scientists have a policy. But at some point, he was. Some point, momentarily, he adopted those. Momentarily. Right, at some point in March, they convinced him that he needed to go on TV and shut down the country. Right. And he did right. it kicking and screaming, and it was dragged into it. There's no question about that. But as you said earlier, for him, it's all about his prospects for being reelected. Right. It has nothing right. to do with pain and suffering of people or the right. deaths of hundreds of thousands of people, which is what we're remember, looking at. We're staring. Down remember the early on that. in the remember early on in there was a University College London. The prediction was somewhere between one and two million people. Yeah. In the United States, I think that that's closer to reality than. All these other numbers that have been thrown well, around. If there's going to be a, if they, if they're predicting a hundred thousand people dead by, next, by, next by week, June one, yeah. forget June one. That's, that's third, fourteen days, thirteen, fourteen days from now. Then. And then, and the president said, "I don't care 
what the state is, we are going to be fully opened up. Then you have to think that that number is going to be extraordinarily high. He said it yesterday. He said, I don't care in January. We're going to be fully open up. Here's the thing, though. And, you know, you talk about numbers. The numbers are now going to be weaponized. Right? They are going to... Of course they are. All objective fact has been called into question under this guy. And now the numbers are are the next battle in this war. And while we think, and I've read... That the number right now of eighty six thousand is probably wildly understated. Mm-hmm. No matter what the number is, they're gonna right. they're gonna say right. it's not true. They're gonna fight they're the gonna numbers. They're gonna fight it. And they're gonna say you know now, what? It was thing. only like fifteen thousand. Okay. 15, now the other thing though, but on the flip side of this, on the flip side of this, the fact that you know what are we coming up with? How how many cases? Is there now how many confirmed cases according to Johns Hopkins are there in the United States now? What is I the number? What the number what, is what is now? I know the number of deaths is eighty six thousand. Okay, and there was like I don't know, was it a million something on that? I'm gonna find out right. Check now. it out. Hold on. It's um. It's what is it? I just pulled it up. I can't see it. Is that one point? And that's number of deaths. Um, total cases, United States. Oh, it's giving me Maryland. <laughs> Fucking a. Whatever it is, that it's it's huge, and people are like freaking out about it. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's easy to lose sight of the fact that there is more testing. It's not comprehensive. It's not systematic, and so on and so forth. But you're gonna get. 1.4 million uh, cases in the Okay, instance. I was going to say 1.5 million. So that shouldn't be terribly surprising to people that every day there's laying on lots and lots and lots of new cases because there is, there is I don't think testing is widely available. Certainly in Montgomery County with a million people, there's only three testing sites and you can only go with a doctor's uh, order and if you're having severe symptoms, right. which is crazy as far as I'm concerned. But even so, there is more, testing is more widely available. And so, of course, if you test more, you're going to see more and more and more cases. But they're going to play the other game, which is let's not test so we don't have right. cases and let's depress the number of actual COVID deaths. Yeah, that's part of it. And the other part is they're just going to say, well, that 86,000 that we're at now, right now, that's not, that's not, right. Exa- that's not right. Right. So... Right. Yes, and there's no question they're going to do this, and there's no question that it's going to be amplified by Fox News, and there's no question that the morons who watch that are going to believe it. So I think the really scary thing about living trans-pandemic is, one, assuming there is an election in November, and what if he wins? We remain leaderless. We remain without a national strategy. I, 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 did I say this last week? I said either we get we get lucky and there's a, there's a vaccine within the next ten years, well, or this becomes like 1918, and it kills so many of its hosts that it eventually burns itself. Yeah, out. but 50 million people died before. It I know. I but, well, million. so. But but that's but that's what happens in a leaderless well, world. I mean, that's you know, unfortunately, I'm sure that it, not everybody would agree with this, but that's 
genocide by negligence. Well, this is the direction in which the Trump administration is going. Well, they are not interested in handling no, this. No, they're really not. They're really not. No. They're interested in they, getting reelected. They're interested in power. It's so funny, and we've said this a million times. They want power, but they don't want to govern. Right. Like, I mean, it's such a paradox. Like, they want to have the power, but they don't want to actually do anything with the power. <laughs> Except, obviously, for him, steal money and all of his cronies. Right. I mean, I know we're going to get to, you know, asshole of the week, and I know that um, she's in our pantheon already, but, man, this is another... Betsy DeVos is horrible. <laughs> like, all the time. She's awful. Oh, my God, I don't have any women in my candidates. Yeah, don't worry about that. But did you see, and I'm not putting her up for, uh, I'm not nominating her this uh-huh. week, but did you see what she did? Which thing? Uh, there was some of that money that was earmarked for uh, recovery. Yeah. She funneled to private universities. Um, <laughs> there was one in Wisconsin that had some ridiculous name that is so obvious it's not a real school. But they're getting right. like three quarters of a million dollars. Like, well, and what's crazy about all of these quote, quote unquote private schools run by entrepreneurs is that it's a scam to get government guaranteed exactly. loans. Nobody gets educated at those places. Have you ever run no. into somebody who said like, "Oh, where's your degree from?" Like, oh, I went to, uh, I whatever, and it's like, so right. I went to, you know, blah blah blah. In, in I actually think one of my assholes of the week went to one of those places. Really? Well, then you know what? Let's get into the assholes of the week. Wait, wait. Oh, wait. Hold on. I got to pull that back up. Um, are we ready for yeah, assholes of the week? Let's get into it. Right. All, you know what? There's right. never a shortage of good candidates for asshole of the week. No, it's really true. All right. So. Oh, maybe that is a real school. Which one? Well, so my first. My first nominee is Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen, uh-huh. who is from Oklahoma's 2nd Congressional District, and he's a Republican. And he was on the committee that where uh, Dr. Richard Bright appeared before the committee in which this guy Mullen sits. And there were lots of technical questions and concerns voiced by Democrats about the extraordinary allegations that Dr. Bright made about the conduct of officials within the HHS, et cetera, et cetera. And then there were a number of uh, Republican members of Congress who asked lots of questions about, well, you know, about preparedness and how come this and how come that and hydri- hydrochloroquine and all kinds of things like that. But when it became, when it was time for Mark Wayne Mullen, who, by the way, before he was in Congress, was like a MMA fighter. Nothing wrong with um, MMA fighters. <laughs> who take, started but never ass. finished Oklahoma State University and then finished at someplace called Missouri Valley, Valley College. Yeah. Uh, he is a Cherokee Indian. Oh, I'm sorry, Native American. He's from you the Cherokee say, Nation. Say, sorry, I can't say. You say, say Indian. You say Indian? Indians. Okay. Native Americans anyway. consider themselves as Indians. 
So so when he when it was his turn his five minutes yeah. to ask Dr. Bright questions, he harangued Dr. Bright about under the circumstances on which he had left his position at HHS but had not yet taken his position up at NIH. And what Dr. Bright said first was I was on medical leave and then I'm transferring to vacation leave until I can discuss with the NIH people about my taking my job. But in the, in, in the interim, I've made this whistleblower complaint saying that I have been removed from this position uh-huh. uh, as punishment for opposing the administration's policies on hydrochloroquine or whatever it is. And this guy, Mark Wayne Mullen, ba- said basically, he didn't, he didn't basically, in, in so many words, said I'm trying to make sure you're not bilking the American people. He's like, what do you mean you're on medical leave? He's like, well, I have hypertension. Uh-huh. And so this has been a very sp- stressful period for me. And since I don't believe that I-, I believe my reassignment was not legal, I've taken medical leave. It's been very stressful. And he's like, so wait, you're the head of BARDA, this advanced research center within the HHS, and you have hypertension? And he's like, well, yeah, I've had pretension. You know, people have that. And, and now you're taking vacation leave? And he's like, well, yes, this is a way, you know, a way to do this and stuff like that. He's like, so you're bilking the American people? You're still getting a paycheck? Yeah, because that's what these people see. They don't understand that people have illnesses so and that have, have needs. Mark Wayne Mullen, the barely educated member of the Cherokee Nation, a Republican from Oklahoma, is my first... Okay. Nominee. I mean, there were legitimate questions that Republicans on that committee asked. Right. Let's, let's, I may not have agreed with let's them. Let's move on because we have a lot more nominees. All right. Okay. Okay. So we're going to go from Mark Mullen. Mark Wayne Mullen. To Rodney McMullen. Okay. The CEO of Kroger. Oh, yes. So Kroger announced that it would no longer be uh, paying its employees an extra $2 an hour um, for hazard pay. Hero money. They hero call it money, hero pay, yeah. right? Okay. So they announced that they're... Two bucks. They're not, two bucks an That's hour. That's not even a tall coffee at Starbucks. Well, it's $2 an hour, which is significant money to the people who are yeah, making it. Okay. But my real problem with, with Mr. McMullen is not just that he changed, was changing the policy, but he himself was awarded $21.1 million in compensation in 2019. Twenty-one point one million, and, and wasn't part of that compensation based on wringing as much HR costs out of I the mean, company? That's, all, that's capitalism. Basically, firing that's, as many people stage, and depressing their that's wages. Stage capitalism and neoliberal <laughs> economics, right there. So yes, okay. So he's my first nominee. Go on. Okay. What else we got? My next nominee is David Nealman. Uh huh. The chairman and CEO of JetBlue. Oh, yeah. David Nealman funded that study at Stanford University that basically said coronavirus is not so bad. It's really no different from the flu. Eighty, we, The number of incidents are 85 times more. But the study was conducted. No one revealed that he who is, was opposed to the shutdown. Yeah who is bleeding money, yeah. that he actually was the one who funded this study and then denies, and there are all this, right. this email trail of him talking with the science, 
denies that he put any pressure on these scientists to come up with this thing. Now, shame on those scientists, but also same kind of thing as the guy from Kroger. Uh, But it raises a, a, and I could talk about the scientists, and it really does raise a question how so many scientists in this issue, in in this moment, have rolled over. Why is Richard Bright an exception? They've rolled over or they're willing to do the bidding of assholes of the week like David Neal. Because we have seen this from the minute that Trump was elected, that people are freaking cowards and that they're more concerned with their own uh, pocketbooks than they are with the greater good. So it doesn't surprise me at all. All right. So David Neal, head of JetBlue. So my next is Brett Favre, former (laughs) NFL quarterback who received $1.1 million from the Mississippi Community Education Center, a nonprofit group whose former leader has been indicted in a welfare embezzlement scheme. So he got $1.1 million for public appearances that he never made. He was stealing money from the state of Mississippi, the poorest state in the country. Oh, my God. And last time I checked... I don't think Brett Favre has a problem paying his rent. Oh, my God. What a douchebag. Next. All right. Robert Redfield, the head of the CDC. Uh-huh. He is just dumb, weak, disorganized, uh-huh. and at a moment when the CDC is under attack, and should be leading the way, he should have resigned in protest. And when his agency put out a 64-page report on what this country needs to do to open up trans-pandemic, and he allowed the White House to shelve it without a whimper from him, without a whimper, and instead they put out six pages of decision trees on the CD website, CDC website, Robert Redfield, you should be ashamed of yourself. You are an asshole of the well, week. He's one of the nominees so far. One of the okay, nominees. my next... He's still an asshole, even though he doesn't make My it. next is Elon Musk. <laughs> for reopening Tesla's... It's so easy. It's like shooting fish know, in a barrel. These are easy. Like, for reopening Tesla's California plant, despite local orders to keep the plant shut. You know, is it a surprise to anyone that the most vocal people against the shutdown are the ones who have the most economic skin in the game? Like, we should not be taking our marching orders from CEOs of multinational corporations. Well, here's the thing. Presumably, Elon Musk could could hang out at home. He could, but this it's is okay. screwing with his plans, though, for world domination. <laughs> All right, who's who's next? Okay. Because we each got one more. This is my last one. We have to make a decision. This is tough this week. Todd Enquist. Todd Enquist is the chief customer officer at United Airlines. Uh, On April 30th, Todd Enquist sent an email to all passengers who have some sort of relationship. They all have a, a frequent flyer account with United Airlines saying... All the wonderful things that United Airlines is doing to safeguard passengers and so on, including blocking middle rows on their planes. It turns out that Mr. Anquist was lying through his teeth 
And a guy who I went to college with, a doctor named Ethan Weiss in San Francisco, who had volunteered his time to go to New York to help with the uh, response there, was flown out to New York by United Airlines, but then flown back on a crowded, crowded, not a seat for anybody on the plane uh, flight. I think. Um, and United Airlines basically, instead of saying, oh, geez, we're sorry we lied, we will work better, they said, they just revised their policies, basically saying, just because we may block some middle rows from you from you taking a middle seat doesn't mean we won't assign That's a middle ridiculous. seat. But, you know, this so, is a cautionary tale. And, you know, we spent a lot of this episode talking about how things are going to look when we slowly start to reopen. I think, I think the lesson to be, to be learned here is that we cannot trust these businesses to protect, no, right. to safeguard our That's health. exactly right. We can't. That's exactly and right. Even That's if, exactly right. Even if we tried to hold them accountable, I'll guarantee you that the government will protect them, protect the businesses over oh, us. Oh, without, without a, doubt. a doubt. And you know, since that, since that tweet by Ethan Weiss, and it's gone viral, yeah. and he's been on every report, the Post, the Times, ABC News, every, Fox, everything. Do you know how many people I know, and I... My colleagues, my friends here, we are all people who travel no. constantly. How many people have said to I'm me, with I'm not getting on an airplane until there's a yeah, vaccine? Well, that's a big problem. Because no one trusts these people. They're bold-faced liars. Todd Enquist is an okay, asshole. So here's my last one. And okay. then we have, to, we have to decide quickly. because this is Wrap it up. Okay. Tough. tough today. Senator Richard Burr. <laughs> Again, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> the North Carolina senator who's being investigated for insider trading because, oh, he was, as the head of the Senate Intelligence Committee, attended a bunch of briefings about the coronavirus in February, and then, upon leaving those meetings, sold a bunch of stock. Nothing to see here. <laughs> nope. Uh, they, oh, like, I think they took his phone this week. They, they uh, yeah. They che- they're going to check out his phone. And what did he do? He resigned as the head uh, from the committee. The committee from as chairman well, of the committee, resi- not from the he committee. Should, okay, as chair, he should resign from he Congress. Resign from from Senate. Yeah, he should step down. But yeah. then they just appoint some other Republican douchebag from down there right. anyway. So it wouldn't really make yep. a difference. We okay, have a lot so. of strong candidates this week. Everybody here has violated the public trust in some way. Some of them in multiple ways. Been absolutely just terrible. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. Um, you know. I mean, in overall douchiness. And like, yeah. you know, you're walking down the street and you're like, that guy's just a fucking douchebag. Well, no, I know, I know, I know, but like if you saw yeah, it well, if you knew and just, who the, was. And like the, just the sheer mor- moronicness yeah. of it. I would say, like, Mark Wayne Mullen is, like, the douchebag yeah. of the week. I don't know. I feel like... He's, and he's, a, he's an asshole, but he's more of a douchebag. Yeah. So let's take him okay. off the, the I list. Kind of, I'm leaning towards your uh, United Airlines guy. Oh, yeah? Because yeah. I, I, it's really it, significant for, you know, what the future is going to look like, and it impacts millions of people. I mean... And, and look, let's let's see who we can take off the list. Like as much as Brett Favre okay. is is worthy of this, I think the other people on the list 
have done. He's not doing done way more. Damage. Right, more damage. Yeah. So we can eliminate Brett Favre. Uh, David Nealman's done a lot of damage because that because yeah. what happened was that study came out and it was immediately yeah, picked up another, by the right wing media to say this isn't bad. This is this is right. no well, worse looking, than and, and more mild than the flu. It's confirmation bias. They're looking for stuff that will right. just adhere to their worldview. So So David Nealman's done a lot of damage. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like okay. he's just one of many. I feel like Robert Redfield has abrogated his responsibilities to science, the people who work for him, who look for him to lead. So, the country looks to the CDC. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I think, look, I think Todd Enquist is a total fucking asshole. And here's the thing about United Airlines. And by the way, the same thing for American and the same thing for Southwest. Delta has been a little more responsible. If they actually were... If they actually kept to their word and said, you know what, the, the email, and you know what, when I got the email from him saying we're going to block seats, it was written in this way that immediately raised concerns for me that they're like, oh, they're not really going to do it. And I sent him an email yeah. and I said, or does that mean that you're actually blocking seats on all of your flights? Well, of and of course, I never got a response. If they were just, if they just did what they said they were going to do, I'd be much quicker to get back on a plane. Yeah. They're going to lose. They're going to, right? Me. Okay, I flew but you know what? Fifty thousand miles between November and February. Be, first of all, I, I would. Now I'm not getting on a plane because I don't trust any of these yeah, guys. But you know, a lot of people are not going to. The the whole travel industry is going to go down because I think what right. we've learned is that we can we don't need a face to face meeting all the time. We can right. do right. Zoom conferences and we don't need travel. So right. They, I feel bad though for all of these pilots. You know, they have more than. Double the number of pilots that they're going to yeah. need. So, like, if they were just truthful and said, look, we're going to only book the planes half full. It may increase your ticket price $25, $30, whatever it is. Much more. But we, they'd still lose money. But still, I'd be more apt to get on a plane faster. But no. But I don't know. I can't. It's tough. Uh, I mean, it's bold-faced lying. Like, Redfield's an asshole because he's weak. Yeah. Todd Enkist is just a lying sack of shit. And of course, people are going to get sick on these airplanes. Yeah, I think we have to go with the United I think we got to go with Enkist. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so what's his name so yeah. I can write this down on our list? Todd, T O D D, Enkist. E N Q V I S T. What kind of name is Enkist? Uh, a member of the tribe, I'll tell you that much. I don't remember. So before we go, I wanted to just. I looked up the name of that school uh, that Bessie DeVos uh, got. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Uh, What's it called? Here. I'm just going to read this from the New York Times. And she has nearly depleted the 2.5% of higher education funding, about $350 million, set aside for struggling colleges to bolster small colleges, many of them private, religious, or on the margins of higher education regardless of need. Here we go. The right, W-R-I-G-H-T, the right graduate university for the realization of human potential. A private college in Wisconsin that has a website debunking claims that it is a cult was allocated about $495,000. Dude, that sounds like a cult. They have to have on their website, we are not a cult. 
I think it's if you have to say you're not a cult, it's Pro pretty tip. pretty certain you're Pro a cult. Tip. If you read on somebody's website, we're not a cult. Most likely, it's a cult. They might be yeah, a cult. I think it's a Holy cult. crap! Betsy DeVos is awful. She she's, she's in the path. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So All right. That's it for this week. And uh, wish me luck. Maybe I'll do something else yeah, this week. Get out of your house. Wear a mask and wash your hands when you come right. back. <laughs> Good luck. Yep. All right. All right. See you, everybody. Wash your hands. Wash them. <laughs>